Hey everybody, I'm Nick Galfis. I play Dr. Halstead in Chicago Med, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Welcome to episode 155 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we are taking it all the way back to October 24th, 2012. We are covering Chicago Fire season one, episode three, called Professional Courtesy. And the only reason I know that air date is because I like just watched the episode before we recorded and Amazon always lists it. So yeah, <laughs> it's been eight years. Like, I feel old. I can't believe that these shows have been around eight years. It feels like they just came around, like, yesterday. Do you want me to tell you what I was doing in October of 2012? Please do. Please, please do. What were you doing? That was my senior year of high school. So I was, like, applying for college and all kinds of random stuff like that. Yeah, that was my senior year of high school. So October of 2012, 2012 was not a great year for me. Um, I was at a, I was not at a good point in my career. I'll put it that way. So I was a licensed lawyer working retail to make ends meet. That's what I was doing in October of 2012. Was this the Build-A-Bear years? No, the Build-A-Bear years were like, that was like 01 to 06. Oh, this was the Starbucks years. Um, This was, yes, yes. This was after Starbucks the second time. Because, like, I worked for Starbucks before, and then I went to school, and then I worked for Starbucks again, and then I left. And so, yeah, this was, this was this was another time. This is a different retail place. It wasn't a good time. 2012 was not a great year for me, except for Chicago Fire and going to the Olympics. That was cool. Yeah, that happened. I can tell stories at some point. Um, <laughs> we'll yeah. save that for a bonus episode at some point. Yeah, that's a bonus episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, two seconds in, and already we're off the rails. Um, yeah, so... As always, I'm Gina. I'm one of your hosts. Brian is here as well. Hello, everybody. So we've got news. And we, we keep saying this every week where we're just like, we're getting back in the swing. But like, it feels so good. I know. I know. Brian, I just I did know. like a happy wave sort of thing in the camera. It just makes me so happy. Same. Same. Makes me very happy. Okay. So, and I don't think we've got like full on bad news like we've had in the past like week or two. So I think it's good. Okay, good. Okay, so we're getting more and more details about the new seasons and how they're taking shape and everything. And so um, friend of the pod, actually, the um, filming in Chicago Twitter uh, tweeted out just some details about, you know, the crew and the cast and some things they're doing for safety. And so turns out that certain key people like actors will be tested every day. I feel really bad for them because that's not pleasant, but also like safety. Um, I guess they're breaking them into zones. And so zone A people are tested three times a week. Zone B people are tested two times a week. And apparently construction is only tested once a week. But there's a special plan set up for directors to prep and direct and get tested and all that stuff. So I, yeah, it's going to be a doozy. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, Tori DeVito and like, you know, Jason McGay and, you know, Nick Elfis are not going to be happy about getting tested every single day, but, you know, it's got to be. Yeah, I feel like from what I've seen, a lot of people, obviously it's not fun. I mean, I've 
knock on wood, I've yet to get one, and I hope I don't have to get one. Mm-hmm. But, like, from what I know, it doesn't seem fun. But I think people at this point are just so grateful to be back at work and having some semblance of normalcy that, like, I hope and I doubt that they care that much. I mean, yeah, it's annoying, I'm sure, but, like the good outweighs the bad in this case big time big time and so right now the test results come back within 36 to 48 hours and everybody gets paid a full day for getting the test which i think is what med did um tuesday of this past week the 22nd was supposed to be their first day and i think their first day was just testing so that would make sense yeah because we didn't see anything on social media i'm not bitter um i know i know yeah so they test their temperature like first day or first thing every day and then everyone gets a band on their wrist that tells everybody that like you passed your covid test so i mean it's the new normal but i mean again people are getting back to work and you know yeah yeah which that's all we're i mean we're grateful for that and that our shows are coming back to us so soon so, I mean, if I, if I had to get COVID tested every single day, I would I would probably be thankful, but also bitching about it every moment. But also thankful. It just doesn't sound but pleasant. I'm also, I'm, what I'm hoping for, and I don't know this to be true, because obviously this is just coming from what Filming Chicago knows, but I would hope that by getting tested every day, that means the scenes aren't going to drastically change, like, mm-hmm. in terms of things like that. Because I know, obviously, with Dancing with Stars, like, they are getting tested if not every day, I think it's at least like five times a week. Mm-hmm. But that has obviously allowed them to, you know, be able to dance like close next to each other and things like that. So I'm hoping that by them getting tested every single day, that that means that like, you know, the shows will still be our shows. Like the scenes won't have to drastically change that much. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it does. So I'm hopeful that like, yeah, I'm sure again, I'm sure it's annoying, but like, Everything else will be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which, you know what? Maybe that's why we didn't see anything out of the MedCast. So I guess what they're doing is, like, they're testing everybody. And then in, like, two days, once they have all the test results back, maybe that's when they're going to start filming. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we do know that Med is coming back soon. They had a screen. They had a table read via Zoom. Like, they are coming back. Also, I feel like it's important to note that we are recording this on Tuesday, the 22nd. So in case things come out on Thursday, that is why we're not talking about it. Because as of right now, nothing has been posted. Because news loves to drop immediately after we finish recording. Uh, Exactly, which is why I'm glad the news that happened earlier today dropped before we started recording. Earlier today being Tuesday. We'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) So the next bit that we have is from Spoiler TV. Brian, will you take us through that? Of course. So, Spoiler TV basically just posted this thing about the episode orders from for all three seasons of What Chicago. And this, again, coming from Spoiler TV, it says, Per IATSE Theatrical Wardrobe Union Local 769, all three Chicago shows will only shoot 15 episodes for their upcoming seasons. They usually shoot 22 to 23 episodes each season, but the unusually lower num- episode count is understandable due to production being delayed by several months, blah, blah, blah. It says it is possible that NBC might up the order if they are able to shoot more episodes, but for now, all three shows are preparing to produce 15 episodes. I was a little bummed at first, but I mean, it's okay. It's okay. I'm really okay with this. Honestly, if they even wanted to give me 10, like, I would be okay. Just because 
it means our shows are coming back safely. Everyone's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. I will just take any new one Chicago content. I just need it. Yeah, that, that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we're like the, the 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 SpongeBob meme from that episode when he goes to Sandy's and he's like, "I need it!" Like that's us. <laughs> that's the whole fandom. Accurate, accurate. Just yeah, I don't need it. I don't need it. I need it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So, I did also see a tweet. It might have also been from filming in Chicago that I think they're hoping for one crossover, maybe towards the end is yeah. what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's obviously been very unconfirmed, but yeah. yeah, I did see that too. So, I mean, fingers crossed, but it's happening. Slowly but surely, it's happening. So, last bit of news we have for today is a casting update. I love when these drop. These are always very exciting. When it's additions to the cast, not when it's a subtraction. That's when I'm like, I hate everything. But Nicole yeah. Adai Robinson is joining Chicago PD. So Nicole will play Deputy Deputy Superintendent Samantha Miller. Originally from Atlanta, the Deputy Superintendent is a progressive, ardent proponent of police reform, per the official character description. She wants to help Voight and Intelligence adapt to the new reality, but will not tolerate breaches of the new police guidelines and protocols. The character will make her debut in the season premiere. So I sent this to my mom just to be like, hey, look, casting update. And she was like, he's she's not going to help Void." I was like, no, by help Void, they mean she's going to drive him fucking crazy. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's interesting when they say a progressive, ardent proponent of police reform. I'm curious to see where they go with that. Um, also... What does this mean for, what is Paul Adelstein's character's name? Crawford? Yes. They change all the time. I can't keep up with these character name mm-hmm. changes. But what does that mean for Crawford? Like, is Paul Adelstein gone? I guess so. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. We yeah. haven't seen him in a while, but, like, he is technically around. I would like to think that he got axed after the whole Marcus West thing. I would like to think so, but, you know... But that, I don't know. yeah, just rewatching that episode the other day made me really mad. It, that like episode makes again. me mad every time, every time, just all over again. And Noah was my brother was because he was the one that was watching it. He was like, why are you so mad? And I was just like, don't understand. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, don't get it. Yeah. Um, the other cool little tie in here is that Nicola Di Robinson, her husband is Boris Kojo, who is Sullivan on Station 19. So yes. nice little like PD Station 19, like worlds collide there. I love it. I love, love it. So it. Love it. Apparently they met on the TV series Soul Food, which a couple of listeners have said is really good. So uh, maybe we'll check that out. So I've never even heard of it before. Me neither. No, me neither. Telling us, but that's where they met. So I don't know. Cool. So. That's all the news, but before we jump into the episode, we just wanted to do a quick little bitty TV roundup. And I know what you're thinking. Every time we try to see like a quick little TV roundup, it's not quick and little ever. But there's just one show that we want to talk about because literally the two of us have not talked about it yet. No, we we haven't. I've talked about it with our other friends, but 
I, we haven't talked about we it. We haven't though. even texted about this because, I mean, it was just such a quick binge that, like, the two of us haven't even texted about it because we, like, we were waiting to talk about it. Okay, so this new show just premiered on Netflix maybe, like, last week. I don't even know when it popped up. But um, it's like two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago. I watched okay. it last week. So yeah. it's based on a Brazilian book series. Okay. No, it's a Brazilian TV show. Brazilian TV show. Okay. So we're talking about Julie and the Phantoms. It's like the Netflix like sensation that has taken over in the past two weeks. You guys, this is this show is like the most perfect little happy escape from the hellscape that is this year. Oh my god, it's amazing! It's so good! It's so good, and it's a super quick binge. Nine episodes, like 30 minutes each, but it's so, like, it's very feel-good. It's very happy. I loved every minute of it. It was amazing. I watched it all on Friday night and, like, stayed up. I was like, I'm probably not, I probably should go to bed right now. And then I was like, nope, I'm staying up to finish it. It's so good. And the music, oh my gosh, because it's a musical show. Mm -hmm. It's, the music is amazing. It's all I've listened to for the last, I don't even know how many days since Friday. But ever since Friday, that's all I've listened to. It is really good. And I feel like the show is primarily geared towards teenagers. But I mean, it's just, it, it transcends that i don't know it it was it's, it's i mean all of our friends are in their 20s and 30s and we're all like the, obsessed as, just as equally obsessed yeah, yeah. that's all it, like it was so funny because our friends christine and janelle started watching it first and then i texted them and we started group chat and then our friend tamar started watching it and so then tamar got added and it was just like and i think allison's like all of our friends have been watching it and it's just so much fun and there's so many theories to throw around too it's just oh it's just so good so yeah, so yeah. It, yeah, it's so good. I mean, I don't, well, okay, what theories are you hearing? I don't really have a ton of theories, but, like, I think the oh woman God. in the uh, first episode is Julie's mom, but. Yeah, I mean, Christine and Janelle have some very intense, like, lost style theories about how, um. Trevor plays into it, the, the old bandmate mm-hmm. that's now, like, a dad. Um, how he plays into it. It's just like, I don't want to spoil it for everyone who's like not seen it. But yeah, there's some like very, they have some very intense theories. It's um, it's very happy and bubbly. And it's just like, it's the perfect escape. The ships? Gina, the ships? I know. Hello? I know. I know. I'm not, oh. I'm not as on board with Alex and Willie as I am with Julie and Luke. I mean, I love Julie and Luke a little bit more, but I also love me some Alex and Willie. And I love Reggie just as a character. Like, I just fucking love Reggie. And, yeah, everybody's amazing. I just – makes my heart so happy. It, it makes my heart so happy. I was going to say, like, Perfect Harmony was amazing, but also, like, Unsaid Emily just, like, destroyed me. Oh. Yeah, watching that, I think you probably watched it, like, at mi- after midnight. Yeah. It's just, like – a different level it's but yeah perfect harmony is amazing um do you have a favorite song i feel like i could just so, go on about this show for- i keep coming back to uh the one that cheyenne jackson does like the first one hollywood on the other side oh yeah that's a good one it's so good and I, I forgot how amazing cheyenne jackson is and like yeah i forgot how incredibly he is i know he was on glee and he's got an incredible voice but i mean seeing him again i was like oh yeah like he can really sing so I thought he was amazing. Yeah. I mean, the band is back. It's like super happy and sweet. Um, the one that she opens, the, I've got the music back in me or something. That's going to be like my post-pandemic song. Like the minute COVID is over, that's going to be my song. 
Yeah, those are really good. I really love um, Standing Tall, Edge of Grey, Perfect Harmony. Unsaid Emily, though, is just like a literal different level. It's just a mass. That whole scene is just like a masterpiece of yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, like you guys, like so laying good. on the bed, like tears jumping out of my face cry. I was just I was like, sobbing. Yeah. I was sobbing. I mean, I don't know if it was just also because it was like 1am and I'm like, but what is, I was just like, I was, it was, it was a mess. I was a mess. So everybody should watch it. It's, it's so, it's just such a, it's a quick and it's it feel good. It's such a feel good show. Yes. Yeah, and it's like yes, I think it's geared towards teens, but like it's really just wholesome and good, and it's so unique too. Like the concept is honestly, I know it's based on a Brazilian show, but it's so different than anything else on television right now. Yeah, or on streaming services or whatever. It's just it's so good. It's so 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 good, and yeah, I hope they get renewed for season two. But they have to. It. They have to. We have know. to know. When it's actually because they had all apparently pre-COVID, they had all these plans. Because I guess now they've actually kind of become like a real band or a semi-real band or whatever. And I guess they were going to take them and go to like different places and perform. And obviously, so I feel like they they were going to do all this stuff with them pre-COVID, of course. Mm -hmm. Like they can't not be renewing them for a season two, but I don't know. So good. Go watch it and then report back with your findings because so good. Yes. So, so good. Yes. And it feels really nice to suspend disbelief a little bit that, like, the premise, like, okay, there are three ghosts that they can only see when they play music. Okay. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's nice to suspend disbelief and be like, okay, whatever. It's a, it's a fun show. Like, I don't care. Like, again, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, it is. Like, yeah, you say it like that and you're like, oh, that's stupid. Um, but, like, when you actually watch it, it, like I said, it's just so unique and refreshing and everyone is so fucking talented on that show and it's just it's so good it's so 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 good y'all madison reyes like look her up she's gonna be huge amazing 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 so good while we're doing a tv roundup it is tuesday while we're recording however brina has Anne hey danced yet yeah she did <laughs> <laughs> um how'd she do <laughs> she's good um yeah, just another. I can't remember exactly what her score was. I want to say it was like eighteen. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but it's somewhere in that range. Yeah, she's good. Okay, another solid week from okay. Anne H. Cool. Yeah, cool. So <laughs> that's your TV roundup. <laughs> Not too bad. We didn't go as long as we uh, usually do. Yeah, and now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> So that's all the news we have. As always, you guys know what to do. If you see anything, please send it to us. We appreciate it so much. Um, one of the listeners today is the one who sent me this casting news for PD. So, like, I appreciate that. It helps a lot because, you know, we try to juggle real life, too. And it's like, you know, it can get tedious. So, like, a little help with the news always helps. And you guys are really, really good about that. So, all right. Shall we jump into the episode? Let's do it. Okay. Brenda, let me just say that you are so good at picking these episodes because, like, you'll pick out one important <laughs> thing that happens, but then I forget that, like, a bunch of other important things happen in that same episode, too. Yeah, there were some things in here that I, I like, again, I picked it because I was like, ooh, we should do voice at first episode, right? Like, I was like, that sounds fun. But then I forgot there's all the, like, Nikki Ratatowski. So, like, there's just so many things I forgot about that I was like, oh, 
I am pretty good at this. Like, you guys, the scene that Chicago Fire gets made fun of for, the scene, you know, where like shirtless Taylor Kenny with the fire hat on and like they're making out and stuff in the turnout room. That's the <laughs> scene that Fire gets made fun of for all the time. That's in this episode. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, good. It's just, yeah, this this episode. But the early days of the show are just so like, it's kind of like Julie and the Phantoms. It's just so wholesome and innocent. Well, everyone's such a baby, too. It's, like, ridiculous. And then, such obviously, there's just so many other characters that, like, don't even exist anymore. Or no one's mentioned in a really long time, like Vargas. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Yes. It's crazy. Everyone's just such a baby. It's such great. a baby. Otis has, like, a fro. Yeah. Honestly, I was going to say, I was trying to, like, point that out to my brother. Because uh, my brother kind of looks like that right now. He just hasn't gotten a haircut in so long. And his hair looks exactly like that. And I was like, Noah, that's you. And he's like, what? I'm like, just leave me alone. It's fine. Otis had a bit of a Joey Fatone look going on in, like, the early days of Chicago Fire. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. It's good, crazy. Though. Okay, so we'll start off with Wait and Casey, because that's the big thing here. And, like, it's so funny to watch this episode and think back, thinking that, like, Voight was, Voight and Antonio were only supposed to be, like, supremely minor characters that just popped up in this one episode and all the stuff that's happened well, since. I forgot Antonio was in Vice. <laughs> like, he was, yeah. I mean, all these things, and obviously, like, Voight was in gangs, and, you know, it's just kind of crazy to remember them pre-PD. Because even when they popped up, before PD aired, but when PD had been announced and everyone else was cast, obviously mm. they were still in intelligence. Yeah. Like in the early days of season two of Fire when PD was like around. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy to think about. Right. And it, this this episode is not just Voight's first appearance. This is the first time we meet Antonio as well. It is? It's only the third episode of the whole show. Yeah, I guess. But geez. I know. Crazy. So crazy. So crazy. Okay, so Wait and Casey, we'll start here. So it's like a super quiet night in the firehouse. Mills is like sleeping, or not Mills, uh, Mouch is like sleeping on the couch. Mills jinxes everything because he's like, oh, there's only two hours left on shift and like it's been really quiet. And the minute he says that, the alarms go off. That's like when I used to work at Starbucks and we would always say, don't say the S word, the S word being slow, because then like we'd get packed. So I feel like that's anywhere, any job you work, you're like, especially if you work on something where you answer phones or whatever, like in my job, it's like, we'll have like a really quiet afternoon. And I'm like, don't you dare say that it's been slow. And yeah. then of course, people will start calling. And I'm just like, oh. there's a good line in the fire truck on the way to the call when Casey's like, so Mills, you know, if you've got a pitcher in the eighth inning who is throwing a no hitter, are you going to go up to him and be like, hey, look, it looks like you've got a no hitter going. And Mills is like, no. And Casey's like, don't do it in the damn firehouse either. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah, it, yeah. So they pull up to this car crash and like, I forgot. I feel like in the early days, they went so big on these accident scenes. Like, maybe bigger than they go now. What do you think? I think so. It's kind of crazy to think that... I mean, that's just such a memorable accident scene, obviously, because of... It literally kind of changed the show, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. That this accident changed... Well, not this show, but the franchise, because Mm -hmm. it allowed PD to spin off. Um, But yeah, these accidents are... Or this accident's kind of crazy. This is, like, the first accident in, like, my whole series of, like, how the fuck did that happen? This is the first one in that series <laughs> of, like, 
how the fuck did that happen? Okay, so you've got one car. A drunk driver has hit an SUV. The drunk driver is like in the middle of the intersection. Okay, whatever. That happened. This SUV that he hit, though, so there's they're on like an overpass. So like their part of the street is raised and underneath is like another road. So think of it like an overpass and then underneath is like, like kind of like an overpass on the highway. This SUV is upside down on the ledge, like the corner ledge between the overpass and the highway. Completely upside down, like teeter-tottering. How the fuck did that happen? Right. It had to literally have been just like, I mean, obviously it was perfectly placed. This is TV magic. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it. It's, like, right there. I mean, we're doing hand motions here. Nobody can see. But it's, like, right there on the edge. But, like, um, this isn't crazy. even an SUV versus, like, a truck. This is an SUV versus, like, a, a Honda Civic. So how did, the, like, yeah. how did the Honda Civic have the power to turn that SUV, like, up and over? You're, you're thinking too much about this, Sheena. You're Hi, have you met me? <laughs> I, I, I know, but. How? And, again, TV magic. Yeah. TV magic. TV magic. What's well, also TV magic? Casey opens the door, sees the drunk driver, and we've got ourselves Justin Voigt. However, Justin Voigt, this is not Josh Segarra. This is some like random Justin Voigt. Just I don't like it. Bring. I mean, obviously, I love Josh Segarra, so like, yeah. But yeah. I don't like this Justin Voigt, even though we don't see him. Like, I don't have any reason not to like him because you see him for point two seconds, <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't like him. I was expecting, like, I, I mean, I of course I knew that when Casey opened the door, Justin White was going to get out. But I was expecting to be like, oh, little baby Josh Shigara. And he opens the door and I was like, that's not Josh. Oh. Yeah, no, great move recasting him. Yes. Great move. Yes. That's all I'm saying. We are terribly partial to Josh Shigara and we're still not over the fact that he died. <sighs> oh, don't alert. remind me. Spoiler alert. Yeah, so... The person driving drunk, obviously, that was Justin Boyd. And, um, you know, Casey's like, where the fuck did the guy go? What are we doing? And the cop who's handling the scene, he's just like, look, there's a detective over my shoulder. He's got this jacket on. That's Hank Voigt. The guy who was driving the car was his son. And that is our first introduction to Hank. Yeah. And Hank is being awfully casual for the fact that his son just got busted for drunk driving. But again... Apparently, Justin's done this 10 million times. Well, not necessarily the drunk driving, but, you know, Void's bailed him out a bunch of times. I don't think he's really surprised anymore. I just, I like, how, 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 how does your son find himself into priors and crimes and stuff when his dad is a cop? But his dad is Hank Void. His dad isn't, you know, Touché. someone else. His dad is Hank Void. I took my eye off the ball for a second. I'm sorry. That won't happen again. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. So Casey pulls Gabby aside the next day to ask her to ask Antonio to stop by. Again, we we don't know Antonio at this point. We've never met him. We're like, Gabby has a brother? What? And Casey and Gabby are like, like, they're Flirt. not even at the point of flirtation yet. They're just kind of like circling each it's other. All one, it's like all one-sided requited love. Oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. It's so great. It's so great. And so Antonio stops by and he's just like, he kind of tells them about Voight. And they're like, the first thing he says, just point and blank, he's like, Voight is a dirty cop. He's the kind of cop that gives the rest of us a bad name. Cut to like years later and Homeboy's working under him. Yeah, but I, I mean, yes, yes. 
he is working under him. I mean, they never got along that great, but yes, he is. He did work under him. But then also, like, you have the time when, like, Voight busted him buying drugs, and then he was like, it's okay, I'll get you into rehab. It's just, it, Voight-Antonio is just a supremely complicated relationship that I will never understand, which I've said before on the I'll pod. Never, I mean, we will never understand, and also, it just fell apart, too, because they didn't want to write for it. as Like, the potential was there, and it mm-hmm. just fell flat. Yeah, yeah. So Antonio is like, yeah, I'll put some feelers out. Like, that's fine. I'll ask. But then once, um, yeah, he even says, he's like, listen, as a friend of my sister's, I'm telling you, like, you don't want to mess with this dude. And so as Casey walks away, Gabby kind of follows him with her eyes. And Antonio's face goes from, like, cop Antonio to big brother Antonio in, like, two seconds. And he's like, how long have you guys been dating? And she's like, what? No, what? Huh? And then she's like, oh, he's taken. So... (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And like the little like Gabby and Antonio fist bump and just, you know, the old days, man. Uh-huh. Just just glorious. My heart. Glorious. Yes. So Casey debriefs with Hallie because, again, Hallie's still alive. We're three episodes in. Like the worst thing that has happened <laughs> so far in this whole show is Darden has died. I know. It's crazy. It's wild. It's yeah. And the most scandalous thing that's happened in Chicago Fire history up to this point is that like Severide is injecting himself with pain meds. (laughs) (laughs) We were so innocent. What a time. What a time. time. Yeah. We were so innocent and happy and like nobody had died horrible fiery deaths and. Oh, in case you Severide fought. Because they were mad at each other for Darden's death. Yes, yes. That was the most scandalous thing that happened, is that they were mad at each other and Severed was injecting himself with pain meds. And now... What, now look where we are. Now look where we are. Things were so good and pure and simple. <sighs> I know. Okay. So Hallie mentions that the 16-year-old from the van was is now paralyzed from the waist down. Because, I mean, again, the SUV... That ended on the ledge. There was a teenage son in there and he's paralyzed. And so Mouch bursts in and he's like, hey, a cop donated a flat screen to us. I didn't realize that the TV going out was a recurring bit on this show. It is. So this is the well, didn't we just cover an episode when the TV breaks and Mouch brings in like his giant TV with it that he and Trudy have and it's like a total clunker and he Otis gets pissed at him be, or not not Otis. Um Mouch gets mad at Otis for the old jokes. We like just covered that, didn't we? I don't remember that. I I this is not the first time that the TV has gone out at fifty one. Yes, I mean I it, okay. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway. So Mouch tells them that, like, hey, a flat screen got donated to us by a cop. Did you catch that this cop, the cop who donated it, they said he was from the 35th precinct? Yes, I did. The first, like, when they said that, I was like, oh, so it wasn't Voight. And then I was like, oh, wait, okay, that's right. Intelligence was formed, like, after all of this mess. Got it. So. Right. Just funny, funny little details that I'm just like, oh. Baby. Babies. Babies. So Hank is the one who donated this flat screen, which I feel like Hank would never do now. He's just trying to worm his way into people. He was trying to, you know, do what he needed to do to get what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so once Casey finds out, he's like, oh, hell no. Send that shit back. Like, 
no, we can't take it. And that's when Bowden's like spidey senses go off and he's like, so should I know about something? And Casey's like, oh, fine, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> Antonio stops back by to meet with Bowden and Casey and Antonio is just like, so, you know, did anybody else see this kid drunk? And or no, Casey's like, so nobody else is going to have claimed to have seen this kid drunk. And Antonio's like, yeah, but they were other cops who aren't about to go against Voight. So, I mean, it's pretty clear her Voight is that guy who's just like so high up that he's like feared, which I'm not, as I get older, I have like more and more disdain for those types of people. I'm like, you're not great. Like people are afraid of you. Why do you think you're so amazing? Maybe it's, like, also a reflection yeah. of our political landscape, but I don't know. Probably a little bit. But, yeah, and I mean, Antonio even goes on further to say that, like, Voight's been pulling Justin out of things since he was 15. So, like, at this point, Voight's like, yeah, do what I got to do. You know, I, it's almost like, here are the steps I need to check off in order to get Justin out of jail. Yeah, yeah. And Antonio even says, he's like, I'm just telling you, like, if it was Gabby who was in your shoes, and I'm not proud to say this at all, but I would tell her to stay out of it. Which, knowing the Antonio we know now, that's pretty big for Antonio. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, To think that he would would have told Gabby that. But, yeah, it's definitely a very different Antonio. But It's also so, it's so selfish of Voight to try and fix this for Justin, Especially knowing what's happening on the other side with the family that, you know, whose life was impacted forever. Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy, too, to think the stuff that we obviously know now about Voight and, like, where Voight was in his life at this point and, like, obviously the things that he went through with his wife and, you know... Aaron and all like all those things to think that Voight was doing this too it's just kind of crazy to think about yeah it's Um, so crazy it's so crazy something I love about season one is that everybody is such an exaggerated version of themselves just because the show was trying to find its footing and well I love it I was gonna say too obviously they hadn't even really decided that these characters i mean i think the intention i'm sure was always for voight to spin off into pd mm-hmm. but like was antonio always intended to be on pd like i, I don't know i mean i i don't know yeah um and like obviously those were just kind of like oh yeah antonio's gabby's brother he's a cop okay cool like let's move on like there's no details really to build out his story and so it's just kind of crazy to see now that we know all these things about these characters, you know, all these years later, it's kind of crazy to go back and watch these episodes. Yeah, it's so crazy. Cause, I mean, this version this version of Void is just like, he's like a little more savage than the one we see now. I think that savage part of him is still in him, but we don't see it as much. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I think is kind of crazy, again, looking back on this, is that at some point, they did enough to humanize this guy mm-hmm. and that we, well, at some point I think I kind of lost and I don't really care to cheer for Void. I cheer for everyone else in intelligence. But in the beginning, you like, you support Void. You know, like, you go with everything he does when, look how terrible, I mean, this episode is proof of how terrible he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's just, like, the fact that we were able to root for him at any point and, like, they were able to spin off an entire show on this one character. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, and it leads to a bigger discussion of, you know, when when does when does the end justify the means? Like, 
Voight's kind of like Dexter. I mean, he gets rid of bad people, but are his methods okay just because of that? Probably not. Probably not. And I also wonder, though, if it's a product of the time period. Like, could this have happened in 2020, especially with a cop show? Probably not. But this happened in 2012, 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. And that was a very different time. Yeah. So I think they could get away with it. I don't think you could get away with it now. Yeah. So the dad from the accident, he comes by the firehouse with a chocolate cake and he basically tells everybody, he's like, I don't know what kind of power you guys have, but the police report came back and it says that I ran a red light and the accident is my fault. And that's not what happened. And that's when I'm like, Hank, you have gone too far, sir. You went like the, the first move to just like, you know, take care of Justin and get that done. That was just selfish as fuck. But now this is just you've crossed the line. Yeah. When we don't, the thing that we don't really know too is that, like, yes, Voight's been pulling Justin out of things since he was 15. Mm -hmm. But, like, how many times did he actually get, like, close to jail and things like that? Like, would him having just, like, a DUI, would that have, like, really put him in jail forever? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, like, or would it have just been like, oh, you got a DUI. Okay, move on. Yeah. Like, you don't really have anything else on your record because your daddy took it off your record, but still. Who's ready um, for Lawyer so Gina? Go ahead. Okay. So, let's in, welcome in Lawyer Gina. So, in Texas, um, your third DUI is a felony. The first two are misdemeanors. On your third, it becomes a felony. I don't know if Illinois is the same way, but that could be something that informs Voight's decision here because he does mention to Casey later on he's just like yeah he's like there there's open containers and like he's got priors and this is a felony not saying that that's like justifying anything Hank's doing because it's all fucked up but yeah that wasn't a very informative lawyer Gina that wasn't very relevant so I appreciate anytime lawyer Gina makes an appearance so Eh, that wasn't a great one I'm sorry that was a subpar lawyer Gina appearance (laughs) but yeah, so, and, and and this goes back to the bigger discussion that we're all having right now is cops and their abuse of power. Because, yeah, okay, it's one thing to cover up for your son and make sure he's okay and then leave the other family be. But now you're messing with the other family. By saying the accident is their fault, you're fucking with their insurance, you're fucking with all sorts of stuff that can affect them negatively down the line. As if having a paralyzed son is not damage enough. Right, I was going to say, like, the fact that you didn't even need to go that far. Like, the fact that this kid is now paralyzed because of what Justin did, that's all you need. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It, yeah. And it shows, it. I guess it shows a pattern of behavior from Voight where he's never responsible for his own actions. And he even does that with Justin. Yeah. But I think that's honestly, too, why, I mean, this is skipping ahead to PD, but, like, Finally, why it is kind of nice when you get to the point where Voight sends Justin off to the military stuff, to the mm-hmm. military, because he's like, okay, like, I, that last straw was enough. You know, like, I can't keep you out of jail anymore. I can't do anything for you. And, like, clearly you aren't going to change. So I got to send you somewhere else that is going, the only place I can think of that's going to make you change. Yeah. Yeah. So... Casey goes to Bowden and he's like, I'm not changing a damn thing. And Bowden shakes his hand and he's like, leaders lead from the front, which is like the Bowden line. That's like the iconic. Like, Voight says, tell me the truth so I can lie for you. Bowden says, leaders lead from the front. 
It's so good. It's so good. And then Goodwin that just moment. says, damn it, it Will! Like... <laughs> it's just like such a proud pop-up moment, too. And mm-hmm. it's like one of the first ones. And it's just, it's, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So then Voight stops by the house. And he asks Casey to go out for a drink. And this starts innocent enough, but then it escalates fast. Fast. Mm-hmm. So, and the the one thing I will say about this is that, like, I... I, the, the one thing I don't like now is that the one thing this episode has that you don't see now is that because Voight was intended to be so minor and such a quick little like here and gone character, nobody is afraid to step up to him. Casey is not afraid to be like, you're full of shit. Let me tell you why all of this is wrong. Whereas now people are like, oh, it's Hank. Oh, we can't make him mad. Oh, you know, the scene is good for that reason is because Casey's not afraid to be like, you're full of it. Yeah, it's just it's such a and it's all again, it's so interesting, again, knowing that we what we know now, because obviously now we've seen Casey and Voight work together. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it obviously was a little bit more tension filled in the beginning because of the whole Hallie situation. But now, I mean, eight seasons later, they're like, yeah, hey, Voight's here. What's up? Like, it's like no big deal that it's just kind of crazy. Especially after, again, watching this scene, you're like, oh, look how far we've come, guys. Look Mm -hmm. how far we've come. Big time. Big time. So Voight is just like, I put a lot of time into my job. Like, I care about protecting the city and its people. But, like, I'm going to be up that kid's ass so that he gets his head on straight. And and Jesse, Casey, got jumbled there. Casey, (laughs) yeah, Casey's like, that's great, but it's not my problem. Which, like, yeah, you're dead on. Like, Yes, correct. And Voight's like, you're going to retract your statement. And Casey's like, LOL, that's cute. Um, so at this point, Voight, Voight uses some logic that we heard him use in the Marcus West episode where he's like, he's like, listen, there's like, there's no need to have two tragedies come from that night. The tragedy is being the paralyzed kid and then Justin doing time. Now, you're going to hate me for this one, Bryna. OK, so Voight says he's like. Justin would do time like Justin would do real time. Is it really worth him doing like 10 years? Brandon, you're going to hate me so much because you know what it would have happened if he had done 10 years in prison? What? He'd still be alive. I do hate you for that one. I do. I really do. Fuck. But it's true, though. Okay, get it together, Brenna. Okay, because now I'm going to yell at Voight for a second. Because the fact that you can even come, like, the fact that he even calls Justin going to jail a tragedy in the first place is just bonkers. It's not a tragedy. It's not. No. Justin did this to himself. Yeah, the tragedy is Justin's decision to drive drunk. Right. That ultimately could have caused two people their lives and luckily didn't, but it did cause someone to be paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, the fact that he even uses the word tragedy, he's and like the way he says it too, he's like, there's no need to have two tragedies come from that night. It's just like, I literally saw that and I was, my blood was boiling. I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I <laughs> forgot that he said that and I, it just made me so mad. Voight would make a really good public relations person and just like putting spins on things and like feeding bullshit to the public. 
Well, in the beginning, he would have. Now I'd say, like, Voight's just like, I give no fucks. Aren't we all? <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no need to have two tragedies come from that night. The, the audacity to say that. Right. It's just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, the fact that you can compare your son, who should have probably gone to jail a long ass time ago, mm-hmm. to someone getting paralyzed. It's just, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Casey's like, listen, like what you're asking me to do. And this is when Voight like puts his big boy panties on and he's like, I'm not asking, which like, okay, calm down, grandpa, sit down. He's just like, if you're not the kind of man to do a cop a favor, we can take this to the next level easy. The entitlement. Holy shit. Yeah. Although I will say like when Voight does his first kind of like point and like yell in his face when he's like, I'm not asking. It's just like, I mean, that is just such a classic Voight thing. And the fact that this was the first time it did kind of, I was like, oh, I was like, as a fan, I was like, oh, that's exciting. But yeah, as like someone who's analyzing this, like, fuck off, Voight. Just fuck off. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. And like, I don't want to sit here and be like, I fucking hate Voight. But like the shit that that man does. And again, that's why it's so interesting that, like, they were able to turn us into someone who, like, I mean, I don't know if we ever really loved Voight, but, like, the show was, PD is all about Voight. And the fact that they were able to, like, flip it on, it's kind of crazy. I feel like with, I feel like with Voight, I feel the same way, like, and not to make a sports metaphor, man, this episode has everything tonight. Like, Lawyer Gina, TV Roundup, sports metaphors, goodness. Um, (laughs) So... I feel like it, it's like when I'm watching my team play soccer and the ref makes a call that is complete bullshit and you know it's bullshit, but it benefits your team. So you're just like, yeah, I didn't see that. Like, I, that's how I feel about Hank is that like he does some fucked up shit. But then at the end of the day, when like Jay doesn't have to go to jail for some stupid shit like that or like, you know, they get Antonio's son back via like super unorthodox methods. I'm like, that was fucked up. But hey, I'm glad Diego's back. Yeah, again, and we know this is problematic, but that is exactly right. But that's yeah. the kind of that's the kind of shift that I mean, mentally, I, for me personally, I know I'm gonna have to make that shift away from that next season and be like, no, no, yeah. Voight, like that's not and okay. I, hope, I mean, hopefully, again, we've had this conversation many times. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the writers will steer that away, and we don't have to feel as bad for fans uh, you know as fans like to do that ourselves and have to do the legwork ourselves but Mm -hmm. anyway i don't know if i can handle voight sticking another perp's face on an active burner on a stove and i think they know they can't get away with that anymore but we will see we will see we will see yeah so gabby checks in and she's just like are you good and he's like yeah i'm fine and Casey asks Gabby, he's like, what would you have done? And she basically, and this is such a baby step in their relationship because like, we're not flirting. We're not asking him out on a date. We're literally getting to the point of, I respect you. It's, it's like the first little bitty teeniest step in their relationship is like, okay, first comes respect. Now comes everything else. And Gabby's just like, if I held the information out of that report, like I thought about how I'd feel looking people I respect in the eye. And specifically, I thought about how I'd look you in the eye. And that's when I knew I would have done the right thing. Mm, All right. All right. It's so cute. 
such a good moment. It is cute. Yeah. So then at the end of the episode, they end up at Mills's mom's restaurant. Long story. We'll get there later. But they're watching the Bears game and chilling out. And Casey looks out the window and sees Voight drive by. And I feel like that image of Voight driving by is like in every Shy Hearts Nightmares. Like every night. Anytime we have a bad dream and we watch one Chicago shows, Voight just goes like streaming by in a car. <laughs> just like glaring. It's like the passing. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. So that is, Crazy. that's Hank's first appearance in one Chicago. And Antonio's too. Yeah. Bananas. TBT, but, man. TBT. Yes. And we're not done because there's a lot more awesome TBT here. And there's even a couple bull type references coming. So next up is Severide. Bryna, go for it. Oh my God. Severide's storyline in this episode is kind of honestly all over the place. Yes. There was, like, three different storylines for Severide happening within this episode. It's just crazy. I would also just like to say I clocked okay. Severide eyes about a minute in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some great Severide eyes moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, basically, after the big accident, um, Shay asks Severide about how his arm's doing. He's like, oh, I'm fine. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go get it looked at. And Shay's just like, okay, <laughs> sure you are, bud. Um, but anyway, so then again, we ca- again, there's like three different things happening. So there's like the arm stuff. There's like kind of the Vargas that I stuff that gets thrown in there because it's about squad. And then there's like the Nikki stuff. So there's three different things happening for Severide. And so Vargas approaches Severide and he's like oh I completed my squad certification and I'm Buddha put in my transfer and like at first Severide's like okay great and then he like kind of ends up chewing Vargas out though when Vargas mentions how joining squad could obviously potentially help with promotions and like furthering his career and like it's obviously just kind of the way Vargas is worded that's not that great but Severide was also in just like a mood and Mm -hmm. he just took it out on poor Vargas when I don't think Vargas really deserved it um, it was just kind of one of those moments where, like, ooh, maybe just a little too much, Kelly. Just a I little just, too much. It goes back to his leadership style, which I, you know, that's another one. Like, take a drink when Gina talks about Severide being a good leader. But, he like, he he puts his whole heart into what he does, and he expects that out of, like, the, the men who work for him on squad, too. And I just, I mean, it's admirable, but also, yes, Kelly was in a mood. Yeah. And so then again, we go into the Nikki Rutkowski Scott. I can never say her last name. Rutkowski. Rutkowski. Anyway, Nikki. Um, who also it's played by Megan Vahey, who I but I literally forgot that she was on the show. Same. TVT. TVT. And so Nikki is flirting with Severide again. And basically he's like, Oh, well, you know, I have tickets to this concert. You should come with me. And he's like, listen. Uh, I can't. And he's like, I'm not really known for my self-restraint, so I'm going to need you to meet me halfway and respect Bowden and your dad's wishes. And this can't happen. But Nikki doesn't do that, though, because of course she doesn't. And she gives Severide an envelope at work one day with a pair of her underwear in there. Oh, my God. And That's like catnip to season one, Kelly. Right. As he said, I mean, he literally said earlier, he's like, I know I'm not known for my self-restraint, so I need you to help me here. <laughs> literally what he told her. And so Severide tries to confront her in the turnout room, and it just ends in them making out before they get caught out to a call. 
Okay. This is that shot of shirtless Kelly and the the the, the hat. This is one of them. This is one yeah. of them. Yes, because it happens multiple times in this episode. So then Nikki's dad stops by the firehouse to check in and like take her home after the shift, and he finds her and Severide like after they were making out half naked in the turnout room. <laughs> and it's just like so awkward because like she walks out and then he walks out and then it's not like a weird awkward moment there, but like. Nikki's dad's not stupid, and so he can put two and two together, and it's just like, oh, awkward. So awkward. So awkward. Anyway, and so after a call, Shay sees her friend Kendra at the hospital and asks for a favor, and basically ends up making some right appointment herself for after the next shift. And she's like, Sever- or Shay tells Severin, she's like, I basically feel like you're lying to me to get painkillers, and that's not really the quality I look for in a friend. And, you know, and he, he tells her, though, he's like, part of me doesn't want to know. You know, because obviously if you know, then you have to think about it and you have to do something about it. But if you can just put it in the back of your mind, then you don't have to address it. Thank God for Stella, because, I mean, without Shay, he would just keep everything inside. And, like, he's so open and honest with her here and, like, you know, willing to confide in her. And I'm glad he has Stella because otherwise he would just bottle it all up. Yeah. And so he does end up going to the appointment, though, with Kendra. And Kendra basically tells him, though, that he has a C5 fracture, so which is why he ultimately has the pinched nerve. And she's like, you know, you're lucky that you can feel pain right now at all. And so she suggests a surgery that essentially would put him out for 6 to 12 months. And he's like, yeah, uh-uh, can't do that. And so he and Shay end up debriefing, and he tells her, like, how he's honestly feeling about it. And he says, he's like, you know, working squad is all I've ever wanted, like, all I have. He's like, if I have to eat the pain, then I will. And just the severed eyes in this moment are just unreal. It's amazing. It's worth noting, I mean, when we cover these old episodes, of course we say it, but everybody's a lot less gray in these early episodes. And so, like, Taylor's got the dark hair and, like, the dark facial hair, too, and those eyes are just, like, like, they just pop right in your face. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, their conversation gets interrupted, though, because Nikki's dad shows up at their apartment and lets him know that Nikki's engaged and Nikki's dad's basically like, well, does this conversation need to continue? And Severide's like, nope. <laughs> They're like, great. And that's that. <laughs> um, it's just kind of crazy that I forgot Nikki. Like, I really kind of forgot that Nikki was a thing. I definitely yeah. that she was played by Megan Fahey. Yeah, I forgot about both of those. You know who brought it back up to us was our friend Jen. She was like, oh, yeah, like Megan Fahey was totally on fire. And we were like, wait, what? Go- what? And she was like, yeah, she played Nikki. And we were like, who's Nikki? Because, again, it's been eight years. But it's fun to rediscover. And, like, I- I'm not used to seeing Megan Fahey with, like, the super dark long hair. I know. She's forever Sutton Brady to me. Sutton Brady Hunter. Sorry. Yeah, get it together, Gina. I know. I'm behind. I'm behind. I'm sorry. I mean, me too. I'm behind, like, two or three episodes. But There's also some good Chicago oh, one Chicago trivia in this. Because I completely forgot that, like, Severide basically had a broken neck. Mhm. Yeah, that's a, I mean that's a serious injury. Yeah. He's literally been walking around with a broken neck like, "Yeah, I'm good." Severide things. Severide. Just mm-hmm. Severide things. Just Severide things. Yeah. yeah, but that's basically the Severide stuff. So, 
we also had Mills. I miss him so much. Come back, Mills. I know. Especially in the last few weeks, all, I feel like all we've done is talk about how much we want Mills back. But, like, we want Mills back. Yeah. Yeah, we want, we want Mills back. We just, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant. I just... don't need him back for, you know, ten episodes. I just need him back for one scene. Thank you. Should I just make a shirt that's a picture of Mills and then it yes. can just say nice and big yeah. and come back? Yes. Yes. I Yes. Okay. You, you should have said, should I make a shirt? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer is always yes. A Mills shirt? Yes. We yes. need a Mills shirt. A hundred percent. Goodness. Goodness. So Mills, we are so early in the show that Mills is working at the diner. I know. The diner and like his mom and Elise, yeah. like they are still very much in the picture. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So Mills is late because his mom's late, but he's like, I have to go. Like, I have to get to my shift to the firehouse. And his mom kind of chastises him on the way out. So he runs in late and Otis is a total dick. This is an Otis thing where he just like, he really presses buttons and like nags until he goes a little too far. It's like, I get that you were the candidate for, you know, like a long time, like five years or something like that. But when he says, you know, because Cruz asked him, he's like, you were the candidate up until two weeks ago. Like, what gives? And Otis says this line about how, like, the abused abuse. And I was like, uh-uh. I was like, that line does not hold up. I probably should not have ever been said, but, like, it really does not hold up. Not at all. Not one bit. But Casey catches on to, like, what Otis is doing, and he's just like, idiot so he makes mills and otis run a drill it's like a down firefighter assessment and he says slowest time has to mop up the apparatus floor and mills of course just like smokes him mills is like cool i can do that whatever fine and just mills things just mills just mills things yeah and so gabby and mills do some flirting in the bathroom because i mean again gabby and mills for what they were they were adorable Yes, they were good for what they were supposed to be. Yes. Which was a not long-term relationship to get Gabby ultimately to Casey. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. So Mills is being super cocky about it. He's like, yeah, that floor was super dirty. And Gabby's like, okay, like, watch your ego. And he's like, well, you can't be cocky if you can back it up. Oh, my goodness. And so... Gabby, Gabby just says she's like a lot of candidates would still get their day in the sun, but how they handle the other 364 days, like that's what keeps them around. So, yeah. Can I make a comment that kind of that really has nothing to do with the scene? But now that I'm thinking about it, please do. Mills really deserved a real love interest. Like, I mean, Gabby, I guess, was a real love interest, but we all ultimately knew she was going to end up with Casey one day, so they were going to break up eventually. Mills deserved a chance at real love. Like, that's also, it's honestly kind of why I need an update. I need to know that he found this true love because Mills deserved it. He did. He really did. And it's a shame that we did not get to see. Because I was like, I was thinking about it as you were talking and I was like, you know, Mills and Isabella were kind of good. But like, again, not real love. Like, I needed Mills to have like a real love interest. Mm -hmm. And it never really happened, unfortunately. You know, for a hot minute there. Yeah, I, I yeah, and I've said this time and time again that in my happy head canon, he's married and he's got a kid. So like when he returns to fire, he's gonna like come up the apron with a stroller and a wife, and yeah, I'm prepared for that. But you know, in my head for like a little bit there, I I don't want to say I actively shipped Mills and Brett, but I wouldn't have hated it if they explored it 
No, a hundred percent. Like I wouldn't have hated it. Yeah. No. No. Wouldn't have hated it. No, I mean, they would have had you know a long ways to go, and I think that could have been something. They never got it, gave it the chance, but I think it could have been something. But yeah, mm-hmm. I would not have hated it either. No, nope. no, nope. not at all. Not at all. Like the shark on the dashboard, just uh, eh. yeah, yeah. They so had potential. they they did they did actually they did. So Elise stops by the firehouse, and Mills is like, "I'm done with the restaurant. Like we're not doing this." And we get into a little bit of details there that basically, you know, her his mom is afraid because you know Mills's dad was a firefighter and worked with Bowden, and so. She's just iffy about the whole thing. But there's also there's tea that is spilled later on that we don't know about Bowden and, you know, Mills' mom and all that stuff. So Elise is just like, mom is scared because she doesn't want to lose you, too. Like, that's the point. So the end of the episode, it ends really nice because, like, basically the the call from before, um, they... They redirect the money, basically. And afterwards, they're just like, well, why don't we go somewhere to watch the game? That's like, you know, not too crowded where we can just chill, which like, hi, COVID times. That's relevant. Um, And (laughs) Mills is like, yeah, like I know somewhere. Let's go. And he takes them to the diner and it's like after hours and everything. And it's like such a family atmosphere. Like everybody walks in and everybody's hugging on Mills's mom. And um, she pulls Casey aside and she's like, I don't sleep when he's on shift. And he's like, I'll look out for him. Like, that's that. And like, that's. That's that. Just they watch the game together and happy and wonderful. And I miss going to bars to watch sports. I miss that. I like honestly forgot about the diner, too, that that was a thing. I completely forgot about the diner. Another awesome bit of Chicago trivia is what was the name of the diner, which I don't expect you to know, but it's on a shirt in the episode. I don't know. It's the Cortland Street Grill. Oh, yeah. I just remember it getting burned down during the Gish days. I remember that. Yes, that is what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> it's crazy to think that it lasted for three seasons, the diner. That the diner was around for a long time. Yeah, things that are... <laughs> the diner and uh, the diner and Molly's, like, the things that things that our characters seem to love tend to burn down or die. So, uh, yeah. Or if you're on med, they blow up. Molly's. Yeah. Don't jinx it with Molly's. Don't Why would it? you say that? crap what are we gonna name the podcast if something happens to molly's not on wood like damn it gina anyway meet us at our insurance adjuster's house um yeah so last up we've got the comedy storyline of replacing the tv because yeah that happens so yeah brennis run run us through this one because this one's pretty cute about replacing the tv it's it's good it's funny yeah, it's pretty quick. I mean, basically what happens is, so the TV goes out, of course, just days ahead of the Bears game, like the travesty. So they needed desperately a new TV. Mouch goes so far just to try to, like, put a sign out on the curb for donations. Um, and they really don't have the money to spend. That's the problem. I guess wait, they wait, have, Brenna, like, Brenna, let's do the bit where we acted out terribly. What, the next part? But yeah, the, the, what Herman says to Shay and then what Shay responds with. Okay, well, I'm not there yet. Hold on a second. Okay. I get excited. Anyway, so basically, I know. So basically, they don't have money to spend because they spend it on as an elliptical. And so, okay, we'll, we'll play this now. Because as Herman said, do you want to be Herman or do you want me to be Herman? Whichever you want. I will be Herman. Okay. Okay. 
So basically, they spend it on an elliptical. So again, as Herman, shake and keep her ass toned. Oh, Herman, please. Everyone benefits from me having a toned ass. And scene. Scene. <laughs> yeah. So that is where all their money went. And so now they can't spend it on new TV. And so Casey's like, well, Mills, you're in charge of a fundraiser. So Mills pitches some ideas for a fundraiser. But of course, the only one that really is accepted and they think they can actually do is like shelling shirts on the curb and having Nikki, of all people, man the booth. Because, you know, pretty lady selling shirts, guys mm-hmm. will buy, is their logic. And it seems to be working. She made a couple hundred bucks, you know. Cool. Um, but then, it's really funny because she's like, yeah, we ran out of squad shirts. And they're like, why do squad shirts always sell? Nika's like, oh, I think it's because there's a goat on the truck shirts. And Otis then goes on this whole thing about how the goat's cool. And, <laughs> it, you know, it's just so funny. Um, so basically, like I said, she made a couple hundred bucks. It ultimately was 342 which was, of course, short for a TV um, but they decide to do something a lot better with it. So Casey suggests that they use the money to build that kid who, from the accident, a wheelchair ramp at their house. Um, and so it's just a nice scene, seeing all the truck guys build that wheelchair ramp. It's just, you know, a heartfelt nice. moment. I love when Otis brings Casey the tool that he needs. And he's like, he's, you said you needed a level. He's like, that's a T-square. Just, just go, just go. That would be me, though. That would so be me. I mean, I know what a level is, but still. Uh, yeah, that would still be me. I'd be like, the level's the thing with the bubbles in it. I don't know. Um, yeah, like I know what a level is, but anything else, I don't know. No, no. I, I mean, I could see why the T-square is called the T-square, but yeah, at the level, I'm like, bubbles. That's that's the extent of my knowledge. I can, I can put together an Ikea furniture set like a boss, but like anything beyond that, you don't want me doing it. Well, and it's so funny because now that I work in a, like real estate and stuff, and uh, we like uh, we send our maintenance guys out. Like people will call, and I'm like, I have no idea, and I'm like, I can't even really send my maintenance guys out on calls because I have no idea what the fuck's going on. I'm like, if I didn't have a coworker, I'd be like screwed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, we totally should have like included this under TV roundup, but I'm also watching Selling Sunset, and like that show has me wanting my real estate license like so bad. I feel like I've learned so much from watching this supremely trashy reality TV, but I haven't. It's so. Also, in our TV roundup, I feel like I need to mention this now that my brother is binging season seven of PD. Like, I don't know why. He decided, he came up to the room the other day, and he was like, yeah. He's like, I decided to start watching PD. He's like, I watched episode 20, and then I went back and watched the first few of season seven, and I'm actually going to watch it straight now. And I was like, okay. Um... And he's been watching it, like, every night when he comes home from work. And it's just, it's made me a very proud sister. And I now need him to go back and watch seasons one through six. So Like, straight. He's seen episodes. He's yeah. seen, like, episodes on Ion. But, like, he doesn't know what's happening. I love it. I love that so much. So now it's a question of who's going to come on the podcast first, my boyfriend or your brother? I don't know. I but know. they both need to happen at some point. They and need, I'm like yeah. hoping that if he watches season seven all the way through, he'll at least watch PD, like the new season with me. We're getting, I'm hoping we're, 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 we're trying. He, Baby likes steps. he doesn't know anybody's name. I was telling Gina before we started recording that he doesn't know characters names, but he can, he tries to tell me who he's talking about by the car they drive and the guns they shoot. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. By the guns they shoot? I mean, they all shoot the same thing, except for, like, occasionally somebody has a long gun. 
Yeah, but he was trying to, yeah. But it's not a long gun. He was like, no, that's a blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. I was like, okay. That's I was hilarious. like, they call it the long guns in the show, so I'm calling it the long guns. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't need to know that it's an AR, blah, 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 whatever. So my boyfriend will sometimes be in the living room when PD is on, and, like, he hates it, but I love it. But I'll try and explain who's who. And I got a video of him one time on my Instagram where I was trying to explain Upstead to him. I was like, okay, that's Jay, that's Haley. Like, they're, you know, they're, they're partners. They're totally into each other, but that's the case. And so then, of course, they come back up in a scene, and I'm like, babe, who's that? And he's like, Jay. And so Haley comes up, I'm like, well, who's that? And he looks, and he's like, Jay number too. I was like, stop it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I haven't even tried to do I'm letting him watch and see what he says. And then if I need to go back and explain things, I'll go back and explain things. But it was so funny because he's like kind of halfway he's gotten through like Jay being shot and stuff. So he knows that Kim is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but I've seen episode 20. So like, did she have the baby? Did she not have the baby? I was like, well, do you want me to tell you? And he was like, no, don't tell me anything. <laughs> see if i got that question like did she have the baby i'm like i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about it no yeah i was like but do you want me to tell you he's like no don't tell me i'm like okay and i was trying to talk to him when i came downstairs a little while ago he was like shh it's like pd's on (laughs) welcome to our lives i was like great i love it i was like i told him too i was like you honestly don't know how happy this makes me amazing (laughs) this is great i love that so much so anyway, any other notes on this episode? No, <laughs> going back to the episode. No, no, no. Yeah. So um, 103, man, we've come such a long way. We really have. And it's uh, we still need to do the PD backdoor pilot to really just kind of like full circle all of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So that's about all we've got for today. We kept it kind of short and sweet. Um but you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Our Tumblr that we have but don't really update because we've got to learn how to make gifts. Okay, I feel like I swear we're going to start do- – I'm going to start reblogging shit soon. we got to do this before the new season comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. We want to know what you're watching. We want to know what you're up to. Send us messages. We want to talk. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at K 13 If you like the show, which we really hope you do, please feel free to give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. We would greatly appreciate that. That would be amazing. We have a tea Public store. Um, Brenna, did you know that? We have a tea Public store. What? Yeah, dude. Um, stickers, mugs, t-shirts, um, all sorts of crazy designs. We're getting ready to drop some new ones here pretty soon. If there's something you don't see in the Tee Public store that you would like to, please let us know because we designed these ourselves. And so, you know, our brains only go so far. So if there's something you don't see that you want to see there, just let us know and we can see what we can whip up. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... I think I got everything right. Um, Brenna, what are we doing next week? Do we know? We're not recording next week, remember? You're we're on taking vacation. next week off. I'm just, yeah, we're taking next week off. I knew that. <laughs> you have, yeah, you are on vacation. You're, we're not, we're taking next week off. Yeah, we're going to take a week off to rest and, you know, do some more beside, behind the scenes stuff because we are working on some good stuff as we get to the premiere date. But in the meantime. And then I, I was going to say, and then I think we're on until the premieres which is kind of crazy hell yeah, yeah we're taking next week off yeah so. so and then it's full steam ahead so yeah we're giving ourselves a little breather mm-hmm. but 
in the meantime, uh, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you the week after next. Bye.